0: is this mic turned on wax poetic hi kids i'm a dinosaur hunter bmx rider long division sure comes in handy all the little girls dream of one day biting into a corn dog and smiling at the camera
1: if
2: i ran the web you could email dead people
0: wax poetic
2: just say no to family values in the terrarium is herpes Herpes is a hermit crab. And I don't give a moment's focus to who does or doesn't like the sound of my voice.
0: This is Wax Poetic on Co-op Radio, CFRO 100.5 FM.
2: So what if I write a poem like a song?
1: Welcome to Wax Poetic. I'm one of your co-hosts today, Pam Bentley.
0: And I'm R.C. Weslowski.
1: And we are just a healthy crew today. R.C.'s got laryngitis. I've got a really bad cold. So it's a good thing that Steve Duncan is here because he looks in fine health. Hi, so Steve. far. Hi there. Hello. <laughs> and one of the reasons we've got Steve on the air today with us is because it is our 40th anniversary. Woo-hoo. Actually, today is the birthday. 40 years ago, Co-op Radio went on air. Nice. So we wanted to get you in because you used to be on Wax Poetic, and we're also part. We're also in the middle of our 40th anniversary spring member drive. So if you have given to Wax Poetic in the past and it's time to renew your membership, please call in. Leela is going to be answering the phones for us. If you call in, six zero four six eight four eight four nine four. Told her that um, RC couldn't talk and one of us had to answer the phone, so she said she would do it, which is great. So, but Steve. Mm-hmm. Not yes. only are you a former host of Wax because you're also a poet, as mm-hmm. uh, Rowan Lipkowitz pointed out on Facebook <laughs> today, um, and uh, I'm sure a lot of people know that. And we'd love to hear a poem from you to start us off.
2: Great. Well, okay, sure. Um, I brought uh, I brought some ones that are a little bit older, uh, but uh, I, I still like them. <laughs> it's just, uh, so this one's called uh, since and since it's the 40th anniversary, uh, this one's called "Party Like It's the End of the World." Uh-huh. Nice. So, Today feels like the day after the end of the world party. The morning is too real. Sunlight chisels the landscape, honing detail razor sharp. Sound is like a phone book upside the head, and the breakfast joints are jumping with shaky fingers and pale faces, kicking back cancer with caffeine chasers. Talk is on how we jimmied the lock and on Pandora's box and let chaos loose last night. Whether we planned to live forever or die tomorrow, we carried on the same. We are people full of unfinished todays and indebted tomorrows, and last night it was to hell with it all as we bojangled along sidewalks of trouble pushed by the moon and the gut emptiness of desperation and hard luck. We lashed out wild at invisible giants but hit home, family, and friends instead. And so today our churches are full of silent repentance, shame, the incense hanging. And our beds are full of fitful sadness, sleeping, as we, and we are afraid to wake to remember how we hurt the only people who ever truly took us in. And we still taste and smell the strangers gone from the sheets beside us and feel foolish for believing we could cure a lifetime's worth of loneliness in just one night. And the toilets are rank with red wine as a week of upheaval finally shows itself for what it is. And I walk through the Saturday night litter of Sunday morning. The condoms. The socks stiff with glue, the needles and pipes and paraphernalia are party favors for the apocalypse. And the day will drag on in spite of our stopped hearts, and dusk will come again like a slow, certain blindness. And whether we plan to live forever or die tomorrow, what we have done and seen will never be enough, and we will rail against ourselves one more time. My part of town knows how to do it right, how to party <laughs> like it's the end of the world.
1: Sweet.
0: You used to throw a lot of parties too. Steve Paloozas. Yeah, Steve
1: Steve Paloozas.
2: Yes. I want again. to hear more about that. Well, uh, I can't remember too much about them. As a matter <laughs> of fact, they were that good. Uh,
1: the red yeah. wine when it was really. That really was. And the
2: kegs. We had a keg every now and then. So yeah, it was fun.
1: Was that when you were doing was that like a wax poetic thing? Did you have like wax poetic keg party? That uh... was just my birthday. I would that for for my birthday that would have
2: have with Steve Palooza, yeah. When
1: did you start doing wax poetic?
2: Well, I think it was probably around uh I was I'm guessing here, I would say around two thousand ish. Uh, was at least 2000,
0: because that's sort of when I started, because you asked me yeah. be on the show, So how long like.
1: have you been on the show before R.C. started?
2: Uh, I guess that was a couple of years before okay. before you started. So uh, maybe three, four. It's it's so a little bit of a haze. For and those, those, well, it was
0: like 2001 or 2000, 2001. Like so,
2: yeah, so maybe it was more like about uh, around mm, around 98 or something like that that I maybe st- took over. And or, it had been sorry. going on for, yeah, it did. I think, uh, if, uh, if my memory serves me correctly, Diana Loge was the first person that started this. Uh, she did it with, uh, with um, Russell, uh, Russell Thor- Thornton and uh, for a while, and then. Uh, a uh, uh, Justin McGrail was uh, after that uh, and then she asked me to come, come on board and I was with her for, for quite some time and then we then we asked a uh, Randy to come,
1: so there was a the three of you.
2: Yeah, yeah, we kind of would spell each other off because you know uh, the work commitment and stuff, like this, commitments yeah. and stuff like that. Sometimes it was good to; ha- it's always good to have an extra hand. And yeah, it is. Uh, you Did know, you ever ship.
1: do the show like the three of you and a guest all the? Oh yeah. oh yeah, all the yeah. time. Yeah, all the time. So yeah. it's just you weren't always all three of you there, but you were. Kind yeah, of sometimes
2: to. it was it was down to just one of us. That was quite often the case, or or you know the two of us or whatever. So so yeah. a little
1: shout out to Diane Lelouch because she was yeah. the one that started it all. Yeah,
2: for. Sure. Sure. Yeah.
0: Near the beginning. But I was uh, just thinking uh, as well that um, there's a couple of like this is the 40th anniversary of um, co-op radio. But we have the Vancouver Poetry House uh, is 10 years old um, this year. Ah. And you were part of that. Yes. At the the beginning there with our first meetings and stuff. Yeah. And coming up next year. Is going to be the twentieth anniversary. Oh I know <laughs> of uh, the of that ninety six uh, Slam team that you were a part yeah, of. Yeah,
2: yeah, I guess so. Twenty years, yeah, I suppose so. Uh, yeah, that, yeah, that was uh, that was fun. Uh, that was the first. There there had been one, I think, about four or five years ago. Before that, previous to that, with Kendrick James mm. at, within that one and. Um, uh, I, I think
0: they were based out of Victoria. At least they when they went because they went down to San Francisco, and they were it said they like what I've read online and stuff. It said they were Victoria. Rather yeah, than Vancouver but we the, think
2: we we're the first Canadian team, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, sort of. Well, uh, Montreal
0: had said teams around that time too. Yeah, I,
2: he, again, hazy, you know, and, and not much really written down about it, right? Mm-hmm. And so, so there's you know there's different stories. Uh, from what I understand, we were well, James McCullough, who used to be a poet around town and organizer around town. He really was, he, at least in Vancouver, was was really central for bringing uh, for for starting the slams off here. Uh, we did uh, what was called the Salmon Slam, where we brought uh, teams, I think, from Seattle and Portland uh, and did a sort of a smaller version of the National Slams uh, to sort of kick things off a little bit. Uh, there was, like I said, there was a team, couple of teams beforehand, but I don't think they, they from what I understand, they didn't really take the idea of the slam as seriously as as what the States was doing at the right. time which was you know much more competitive and much more uh um, you know i mean there was money involved in it and stuff like that and whereas we kind of came down more with the kind of bill Bissett four horsemen mm-hmm. kind of <laughs> let's party and play with words and mess things up and That's let's see how long reputation we can go came
1: from yeah because you think still so. hear that about vancouver in the states like when i was living in the states and going to slams i'd be oh vancouver and people say that uh, when they come to feature they'll often say i've been told that vancouver likes funny yeah right? yeah like, like yeah. Well, that was play. p-
0: playful and uh, and and graham too and they were all come, that's right like too. a anarchist background and stuff and and fool and the fool society yes and everything and so a lot of that energy inf- infused this the origins of the Van for sure
2: yeah 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 and then I think from there it sort of evolved into uh, um, we did get a little serious the team that uh, that I went down to Chicago with was quite uh, Portland actually I think we went to Portland the first year and then next year I was invited to go down to uh, Chicago. Uh, and or, no, it was
0: 99 because we rode on the bus. Oh, yes, the
2: bus. That's <laughs> All right, the way the to
1: bus. Chicago on the bus.
2: Yeah, yes, we did. So, back. is
1: that how you guys became friends, riding to Chicago
2: on the bus? Well, we've seen each other, known each other before, but I guess that's sort of uh Maybe, yeah. bonding yes, experience. Bonded this, that's for sure, yeah. <laughs> bus, uh, I had I, I kind of kept sane by drinking vodka and orange juice in the back of the bus. <laughs> it, was, it was crazy times, but it was fun. It was a fun little trip. We did that. Uh, we mm-hmm. did that all day. The Graham, we mentioned Graham That's Graham Olds. We just mm-hmm. wrote something out to him too, because he was uh, he was a uh, big. Uh, he was organizer of poetry readings at the time too, and he he and yeah. James. Both work very hard. Yeah, I think Graham was one of the first slam masters as well, too. So Justin, he, took, uh, he took over
0: James. James,
2: so. yes. So.
1: And Justin McGrill was one of the people you mentioned for wax poetic. Why mm-hmm. do I know that name?
2: Uh, he was also he was on the first team that we took down to to Portland uh, as well. So uh, he was quite into s- slam poetry. So he at the was time. one of the
1: people that started it. That's probably why I know his name. Yeah,
2: there was you know there were four or five people I would say around that time that were really doing a lot of uh, organizing for slam like. Slam and, and inviting people that they knew Justin had come from Montreal, so mm-hmm. so there were people that were he, he knew in Montreal that would would be able to come in and kind of fit into our little circuit as well. So yeah. So when Diane Lenouche started
1: this, now Diane Laloche has associated with TIFF, right? Yeah. So she's more of a page poet. Yeah. Is she a conceptual? I don't know her poetry at all. Do you have some idea of how, why she started wax poetic or how she?
2: Well, um. Russell Thornton and her, are, you know, I would describe them more as narrative poets. Okay. Uh, um, uh, Dan's great, a uh, great writer. So's mm-hmm. Russell. They're both really, really great writers. Russell's been uh, nominated again for an award. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I have no doubt he's a he's a great writer. They're both very great writers. Um, I think it was more um, when we were doing with it slam, there were you know, I mean, there was a crossover. The slam was sort of just starting at the time, uh, but there James was uh, was. James McAuliffe was doing uh, regular readings. Um, Graham Olds was doing The Howling Full Moon Poets of Lacana, right, Uh, which was, again, it's our, our anarchy kind of background and stuff like that. So there was a lot of stuff going on and Diane uh, you know was looking for places to do her stuff as well right. and um, she also brought with her kind of a folk background too Could be, she'd been involved with uh, uh, okay. members of Figgy Duff and, and, and oh, yeah. toured that way right so so I mean I think she and I think she liked the energy too right mm-hmm. of, of our reading and, and the people involved and stuff so has like it that, always so.
1: been this kind of format with like live guests and doing readings or did you guys do your own stuff or what was the
2: well it depend on if our guests did show up, or yeah, not. I mean, we would, we would usually try to have a live person as much as possible. Um, but uh, things happen, you know. Uh, buses don't show up on time, or people or go whatever. to the wrong station, wrong station that <laughs> sort of stuff. So yeah, we've had to improvise. I always used to uh, make sure I would have a few CDs in my bag just to, to you know. Well, so it hasn't CDs. really
1: changed very much. No, 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 no. RC's been the bridge there. Yeah. Um, so let's hear another poem. And while you're picking one, I'll just say again that you're listening to Steve Duncan on Wax Poetic on Vancouver Co-op Radio CFRO. We are in the middle of our spring member drive. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, are, it is also our 40th anniversary today. Happy birthday. Mm-hmm. So um, there's lots of reasons to celebrate. And there's lots of reasons for you to become a member. We've made it 40 years. You're not going to waste your money at least for the next year, if you become a member, try to go another 40 years. So call in at 604-684-8494 and become a member or renew your membership or make a donation if you're one of those people who just doesn't really like to join things but you want to support us.
2: Let's hear another one, Steve. Sure. Uh, Okay, this this poem... um, uh, this actually kind of takes me back to, uh, to those uh, beginning days of slam poetry. And, uh, you know, I can remember when I first started going to readings and, and trying my stuff out, there really was like the Howling Full Moon poetry event that happened at Lacana happened once a month and that was kind of it. And uh-huh. then there sort of seemed to be a a a, a huge kind of influx of, of uh people wanting to share their stuff and, and events happening and you know, around the time when this poem was written, it was uh it was there was almost something every week, every night right. of the week that you could go to right. so it was it was really good but you also had to kind of question what was going on and why it was going on so so this is sort of my uh, i guess question <laughs> about that uh it's called the questioning in that realm it's called the spider's story so this stupid spider kept stringing his web across my front door frame every day i left for work and my hand was the machete that severed his world <laughs> I'd come home tired, sleep, wake up, and the story was the same again. The stupid spider had strung his web across my doorframe. I quickly learned the importance of going out hand first. A mummified, eviscerated ladybug rode the bus with me one morning, (laughs) dangling from my lapel, teaching me this lesson. That was the first day of it when for a second each morning I would be forced to wonder why he and the countless other stupid spiders who had lived before him insisted on hanging themselves out like performance artists where they knew they would be broken. Time on time they danced that degrading little dance of the puppet, the whore, and the poet. What's the fucking point? I had to ask myself. So one Saturday morning I did not go to work. The sun was high when I opened my front door and I watched him for a while, the spider, as he ever so gently danced across the fragile strands, pinning dewdrops to his silk line, laundering them in the warming day. Every now and then a breath of wind, my breath, I'm afraid, would tremble his whole world everything he had made, and I was with him, clinging for my life but fearing for my art. I knew he was building a trap, but then all artists build traps and we will fall gladly and knowingly into one if it means we can be part of the beauty of the whole of it. I am that spider, stupid perhaps, cracking my head on the door jamb every time my work gets ripped up or pushed aside or I am disregarded or underestimated. And when I have braved intangible spans of emotion and distance to string my lace across your across your path, maybe in your face, I answer my own question as to why. <laughs>
1: So do you feel like you had a trap? What was your trap that you went into as a spider?
2: Um, I think my work in general is, uh, you know, it's kind of like that quarter that somebody puts on the ground, leaves on the ground for you to pick up. You know, sort of thing, but it's actually glued to the ground. You know, <laughs> glued to the floor. Uh-huh. And so, I think that's sort of my what my work does is sort of it is. I, I try to start off with kind of simple things like spiders and right. you know, very tangible kind of uh, situations and and places and things. And then I I always have found that if you start from something like that, something that everybody can sort of relate to, right. then you can kind of take them on this journey and go as far as you want to with it, and then you know, bring them back to that 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 moment or that thing or whatever and so i think that's sort of what i i I find i do is and it gives me that opportunity to tell a story but but starting off something simple right you know something that people can kind of hold on to in a in a way you know so
1: so it's a lure for your reader or listener but it's not a
2: trap for you um uh in a, in a sense, it's kind of a trap because I could have probably been, you know, doing other things than writing poetry at the, you know, <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, uh, so in a way it was a trap, but but poetry has been pretty good to me, I must admit, so over the years, so.
1: Do you feel like you were underestimated or disregarded? I think that's what the lines were in there. Yeah, or at the time, I, did you I'm, feel that way? Or?
2: Probably. You know, I think uh, you know I, I suffer from what most artists go through as far as thinking the work sucks at times, or you know, or thinking that people think their work sucks at times, or you know, and and, and in those beginning days too, it's really hard to get people to listen to stuff in general, right? right. You know, I mean, uh, you were usually going into coffee shops where there was an espresso machine going constantly or the sound of the cash register going off or whatever, you know, or, uh, you know, people just weren't always willing to listen to it where I think it's all changed now. I think. So we've got it easy voice.
0: now. Easier, for sure. Yeah. yeah, I'd say so.
2: I think people actually will come out to a poetry re- event, because it's a poetry
0: event, as opposed to they coming don't stumble out. in and then there's a poetry. Oh event yeah, going oh on. we're here, we're stuck here. Yeah, okay, yeah. I don't want to leave now. <laughs> That's they yeah, how they're trapped. The yeah, yeah, exactly, right. So <laughs>
1: make it look like something else. Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah Fernand- exactly. Yeah, and, and there was Fernando
0: that. has a, a line in it there. And it's about getting stuck at a poetry reading. And, then, and then, I think at the end of it, it's I just came in to get a falafel.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's why he always stands at the back so he can go out the back door yeah. if he starts okay, to feel yeah, trapped. Yeah. You know, like he, I always notice that he's there and then all of a sudden he's not there and he's like escaped at some point. Yeah. I don't know what it is that sets him off that he has to leave.
0: Bad poetry. <laughs> he has like a certain cat number count
1: before he, he hits hit, the yeah.
0: door. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what are you working on these days?
2: Um, well, I've been doing a little bit of, uh, I've been trying to do a bit of creative writing as far as mm, fictional type stuff. Uh, well, sort of semi-fictional, I maybe call it creative nonfiction, mm. um, you know, stories sort of based on things that happen to me uh, mostly short stories um you know uh i i don't have a huge long attention span so (laughs) so i tend to uh i like the short short story um and it just sort of fits into my lifestyle no sci-fi uh some i'm i'm sort of debating i've been reading a lot of sci-fi so you know i'm i'm I'm, i think i'm going to get to that point where i am going to break sci-fi uh I I and I I love watching sci-fi mm-hmm. movies and and reading sci-fi books so for sure that's that's sort of part of it and I think um what even when I do write creatively there's going to be sort of that uh existential kind of aspect to it as well you know
1: I know that you are really interested in old time radio in like radio plays and that sort of thing. Are you still, and is that what got you, it's a couple part question, is that what got you to say yes when Diane asked and then had you been involved in radio before and are you still doing that kind of stuff?
2: Um, uh, what actually uh, before Diane's show, I was actually doing a show up at SFU with, uh, uh, Andrew Lithgow, mm-hmm. this guy that used to live here. Uh, we would do a show called the Twisted Balloon Radio Show. Um, that we did up there uh, every Saturday mornings uh, back at those back in those days, SFU um, had uh, a, a policy where they 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 actually had a spoken word coordinator that whose job was to get spoken word people to come in. So that was great for us. Um, the problem with SFU was just that they uh, they didn't actually broadcast in the same sense as you guys do is on through the airwaves. It was all done through cable networking. So the problem with that was just. Sometimes the cable would go down and nobody would tell us. So, oh, no. So we'd spend the whole day. We'd go up there by bus. I got to know the bus driver there very well on the way up there. We'd do our show and then, uh, you know, somebody would call afterwards. Oh, the uh, the signal's down. Uh, oh, you haven't no. actually been broadcasting. Oh, and, you know, so, oh no. So we, we did that uh, sort of similar format show to this as well. So th- that was part of it. Um uh, as far as getting involved in radio uh, old time radio um, to me it's always been really fascinating. I love uh, the idea that uh, you know you can put something uh, you can you can through words and through sound effects you can create like whole you know whole, Whole yeah. different worlds and stuff like that. So well, we, the, we did um, that one at yeah.
0: the, the chicken thing. What was it called? Uh, the Chicken Heart. Yeah, the, the chicken, chicken Heart. At yes. Café de Soleil, we Café did a live. It was a fundraiser, I think, for yes, the co-op. For co-op radio did right here, yeah. You
1: did a live radio play? Yeah.
0: yeah. You, did you write it or did you do no, one we, that was, was already a, written? It was a script that he yeah. found he liked.
2: Yeah, it was a script from this show uh, called... Um, uh you'll have to can you help me with that, Randy? I can't remember the name of the oh, show. Oh, I thought that was the name of the show. Can no. you help me with that? <laughs> yeah, no, it was uh what was that it? <laughs> hey, can you help me with um, that? Uh do, do do I can't Twilight Zone? Uh, yes, but pre pre Twilight Zone. Um so I can't remember the I I can't remember the it'll name. It'll come of to you in it. a second. It, it'll come to me when we're off air, obviously. I wanted but. to
1: tell you that there's a new show that's piloting now at eleven o'clock on Thursdays called um Ridiculum. And they're doing, I would like. Is that the that Jacques Lalonde's thing? Yeah, it's Jacques Lalonde's oh, yeah, thing. Oh, yeah, Jacques, yes. And uh, he brings in people and they do like little radio plays and they do all this. sort of, Like when you said Twisted Balloon, I thought, oh, it sounds like the same idea. Uh-huh. But it's called Ridiculum. And uh, it's right. uh, every once in a while I'm here working late when they're on. It's pretty crazy and wild. And they always have guests on. And so you might want to contact ah, him yeah, because he's, he's actually looking for people to send him scripts.
2: Oh,
0: okay. radio
1: play scripts, probably mostly comic, right. but not entirely. I mean, he's doing his show Stroke of Luck again this Saturday.
0: No, it was last week.
1: Oh, it was last week. Okay, sorry. So he's been doing his show Stroke uh, of Luck every once in okay, a while, which okay. I know isn't entirely comedy. So, mm. yeah,
2: mm. well, maybe I will. Yeah,
0: mm-hmm. yeah, he's fun.
1: I think we have time for another.
0: Yeah, I was going to say we're almost out of time, so let's. Uh, One more. You've piece. got some that's like yeah, three, four minutes. Under. Yeah,
2: I think I've got a. Yeah, this one's not so bad. Okay, sure, <laughs> uh, sure. This piece is called. Um, I read this book about uh, called Giants of the, Giants in the Earth, uh, by O.E. Rolvog. At least that's how I pronounce uh, it. Rolvog. Anyway. Rollvog. Well, that story. guy, yeah, yeah. yeah. Rolvog. Uh, and he wrote. A, it's basically about um I think Norwegian settlers um that settled in uh Minnesota around the time. Swedish Norwegian settlers. And one thing he mentioned that the first year that the settlers were there, um they didn't encounter any any wildlife at all, not even bugs or incense, insects. So oh. so it was kind of an interesting little thing that I, I started to uh to think about. So this is called that first quiet year. Oh. The sky was empty. The land barren and too big to fully comprehend without going mad from the loneliness. The journey was mostly in the head, words jarring and foreign, lost in the expanse, no mountains to return them to. Besides, what was there to talk about? the past something that had to be pushed down, the future as uncertain and terrifying as the next hill, the present flat and unremarkable. In that first year, only the wind spoke through the vocal cords of prairie grass, drummed against the canvas of tent flaps and stone-washed sheets laundered in the sun. Much of the breathing life there was came with them, tethered and plodding, tired and humbled. I found this as no more than a footnote, as if history itself were trying to forget how vacant and hopeless those beginning times were. Nature went into hiding the jack rabbits watching from behind tall grass, knowing that wagon wheels longed for highways to speed along, ancient romping paths cut short. Death would gleam and bear down on them at a hundred unnecessary miles an hour. The prairie dogs hunched in their warrens, hoofbeats pounding like jaff jackhammers, their homes torn up to make way for concrete, foundations dug and laid deep to support pointless high-rises scraping the virgin sky. The hawks and gulls kept themselves grounded, shuddering at the thought of fire from below, at the thought of shiny metal contraptions clumsily imitating flight but never grace, greasy trails of smoke left behind to somehow navigate through. And the insects, The true, scrabbling kings of this place, since time immemorial, vanished, knowing they stood no chance under hand or boot heel. But most of all, it was the white men themselves who paralyzed them all with fear, already specters in their new cities of the dead, ghosts in the making, their imposed order made no sense, uprooting trees and wildflowers and natural beauty for manicured parks with jungle gyms where no one ever went, leaving them to tear leaving them for nature to tear apart again in its own slow, sad way, squaring off space so that getting from here to there meant going first there, then there, then there, standing in line, buying land and leaving it empty, killing in anger, laughing in spite, drinking to forget, loving out of context, dying from disillusion. The animals lay in waiting that first long year, hoping with all their fluttering hearts that we were nothing but a bad dream, that we'd simply go away, that maybe in our blindness we'd fall over the edge of our own frontier.
1: I love that piece. I don't think I've ever heard that before. We've done readings and workshops together, so I've heard some of your work. I've never heard that one. Yeah. It was wonderful.
0: Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you.
1: <laughs> so Steve Duncan has been our guest today on Vancouver Co-op Radio CFRO 100.5 for our 40th anniversary Spring Member Drive special talking about the history of Wax Poetic and uh, how you guys got to know each other and slams history and all that stuff. So uh, we've got like very little time left, but are there any events that we want to announce?
0: Um, yeah, sure. There's Slamapalooza. Yeah,
1: that's important to announce that because I said it last week, and I hope nobody went to Kwantlen last week because oh. it's actually today.
0: Yeah, today at uh, 645 at the KSA Grassroots Cafe at Slamapalooza featuring KT Job from uh, back east in Ontario um what else we got doug koyama is uh today at uh, the wise lounge
1: yeah he's doing those wise wednesdays things where you do a workshop and he's doing like looping vocal improvisation things and then we have a there's a launch on sunday night i believe it is of somebody who's going to be our guest
0: next week oh yeah elena
1: yeah so she's going to be launching her book on sunday so that's it. Well, then the big one is that there's a 17th, uh, on the 17th, this Friday, Cooperative's 40th anniversary celebration. Mm-hmm. It's only $12 at the door if you're a member, $15 for non members, or $10 if you're a member. So if you call right now, you could become a member and you could buy your ticket at the same time, it would cost you $10. If you call right now and you renew your membership for at least $60, you get a ticket included. There will be a ticket waiting for you at the door. So that's 604-684-8494.
0: Cool. And just uh, one other thing, a big show show on Saturday at Cafe de Soleil. It's a fundraiser to help support the Downtown Eastside Women's Center. And uh, the show will be featuring uh, kids, Oh, sweet. Uh, Chaplin, and uh, Kellen Sape, so they're all performing. There's also going to be an open mic. Um, I will be there. I was scheduled to uh, host it, but I'm not going to be able to. <laughs> um, but I will be there to check it out, and hopefully you will too. Uh, and that's at uh, Cafe de Soleil this Saturday.
1: And you're not also. You're also not going to be able to do Friday night. You were on
0: the yeah yeah.
1: You were on that. So maybe we should get Steve to come instead.
0: Mm. He won't commit to anything. I try, I try not to <laughs> you
1: try not to commit to anything well thank you very much for being our guest you've been listening to wax poetic on co radio cfro 100.5 i'm pam bentley
0: i'm rc weslowski and no apologies necessaries coming up next